0: Through hospitality and generosity, I'm telling you, the new evangelism today, it's not the guy on the street corner with a sign and a bullhorn telling everybody they're going to hell. The new evangelism today is hospitality. You will win more people at your dining room table than you will anywhere else. So what if in 2024, to prepare for his return, you took some of that food out of your basement, you took some of that food out of your shelf, and you started preparing meals for your community? You started preparing meals for your neighbors, your strangers, the guy that disagrees with you politically. You invite him over to your house, you love on him, you show him hospitality, you show him generosity, and you win him into the kingdom of God. Hey, so I want you to think for a second, the state of California, right? The state of California uh, is basically on a fault line. So it's kind of you know, infamous for earthquakes. And for decades, californians and scientists they would they would try to predict earthquakes well in doing so man countless lives were lost um millions if not billions of dollars into destruction every time an earthquake would happen so finally um a guy comes along and says hey we know the earthquakes are inevitable. Like the earthquakes are going to happen. So, what if we stop trying to predict when they're going to happen and we start preparing for them? That's exactly what they did. They started building buildings and building homes that were earthquake proof. They started running drills and regular rhythms in schools to help kids, you know, protect themselves from earthquakes. And and in doing so, not only have countless lives been saved, but um, so has the the economics and the infrastructure of the state. And it's because they, they move from being a people of prediction, um, to a people of preparation. Well, the same thing is, is true in the Christian life. Um, we know that, that Jesus is going to return. Um, his return is imminent. He's, he's, he's coming back. But Scripture also teaches that that no man knows the day, no man knows the hour. And there have been tons of of Yahoos over the years, over the centuries, that have predicted Jesus's return. Some crazy stuff, man. You have people mortgaging their homes in the '80s. You had uh, my man Kirk Cameron made a made a mint. You know the whole left behind and the rapture and, and little kids being scared that you're going to wake up one day and nobody's going to be there and the ocean's going to be turned to blood. Like, like that was a whole movement. But the reality is, man, nobody can nobody can predict Jesus' return. So what would it look like to start preparing for it? As a matter of fact, I think we're not called to be a, a people of prediction. We're actually called to be people of preparation. Like, we should be preparing for King Jesus' return. And, and, and as I think about the new year, as I think about 2024, man, I think that's, a, that's like a word that the Lord has just impressed upon me. Chris, um, how are you becoming a man of prepri- preparation? Like, like Jesus is coming back. You know that. It's inevitable. He's coming so how are you preparing right now as a Christian man for, for the return of the king? To quote my guys over at Lord of the Rings, man, the king is coming back. I want to share with you today just some just some thoughts about how as Christian men we can be preparing for Jesus' return. We don't need to be predicting it. We need to be preparing for it. Um. And I think the first thing is, man, we've got to know him more deeply. When, when Jesus comes back, when I go to be with Jesus, uh, man, I want to know him. Like I don't, I don't want it to be um, like I'm meeting someone that I've just heard of. Like I want to know him intimately. I want to, I want to sit with Jesus in heaven like I want to sit around the table and I want Jesus to start telling stories and I want to nudge the guy next to me and say, bro, I've heard this story. It's a good one. Jesus, uh, tell the one about the water and the wine. Tell it again. Jesus, what about the time? You remember Lazarus? Tell us about the look on his face. Jesus, tell it again. Like I don't, I don't want to be sitting with Jesus and Jesus start telling stories and, and I look around and be like, oh, bro, i never heard this one. Like, I want to know the stories. I want to know him intimately. When I get to heaven, like, I want it to be natural. I don't want it to be like a new place. I don't want it to be like a foreign land. I want to start, start cultivating habits and wisdom and knowledge here on earth that that, that when the new earth and the new heavens come, man, like, it just feels natural. I don't want to feel like a stranger. So we got to know him. Like, we got to know him. And how do we do that? Well, it's, it's clear. We've got to know his word. Brothers, we've got to know the word of God. Still, Men are ranking, outranking everyone in biblical illiteracy. We don't know the Bible. We have to know the Bible. The recent report from the American Bible Society said the person that knows and reads their Bible the most is the 70-year-old-plus African-American woman from the South. She's the Bible hero. The most biblically illiterate people in our country are young men that live in the Northeast. And I'm seeing it everywhere I go, every day, more and more men who have infinite access to God's word, infinite access to learn about who Jesus is. And man, we don't do it. We know more about our fantasy football scores, and we know more about Netflix, and we know more about Yellowstone than we know about Jesus, the creator of the real Yellowstone. (laughs) And we got to know him. One of the ways I want to prepare in 2024, I want to prepare for King Jesus' return is, man, I want to know him more intimately than I've ever known him. And I'm going to do that by jumping into his word. Being in his word. Now, men, when I talk about um, being in the word of God and reading the word of God, I wanna, I wanna teach you something that, that I've practiced for for years now, and I call it Bible schizophrenia. Bible schizophrenia. Anytime I'm reading the Bible and I'm trying to get to know Jesus, I'm, I'm reading the Bible as one of three persons at all times, three personalities. So the first way I'm reading the Bible is I'm reading it as a son. God wrote a letter to me. My father wrote a letter to me that letter is about his love and his plan of redemption the star of that letter is my brother king jesus and and but but he wrote that letter to me and i get to read it i get to receive it so when you sit down with the word of god you need to sit down in the posture of a son who is receiving a letter god wrote you a book and you receive it as such There are promises in there that are for you. There are stories in there that will shape you and form you. There's a great narrative that will transform your life. So you need to to read it as a son. I I hear guys all the time talking about, I don't really read the Bible, but I listen to a lot of podcasts about Bible things. So, so I'm listening to other men talk about the Bible, but I'm not really reading the Bible, and that's just good enough. And I think that's a lot of young men today. You've got all your favorite Bible podcasts, Christian podcasts, all these podcast guys. Um, so you actually do more of that, listen to more of that, then you, then you jump into the Word of God as a son. Let me tell you what that's like. That's like your wife or your girlfriend writing you a love letter every day, but then you fall for the mailman delivering it. That's what that's like. Bro, I ain't trying to love the mailman. I'm trying to love my girl. You hear me? Read the Bible. God wrote you a book, wrote you a letter. You're a son. Receive it as such. That's the first way. The second way you're reading the Bible is you're reading it as a brother. So you have... You have other brothers that you should be in community with, other believers that you're in community with. And as you're reading the word of God, you are sharing it with them and you're asking them what they think about this. What did God mean when he said this? How does this hit you this morning? And you're bouncing that word off one another. There there are amazing things you can learn in Bible study, but there are even greater things that you can learn in community. There are things that your brother will see that you don't see. There are things that you see that he doesn't see. And when, and when iron starts to sharpen iron, it's amazing what happens. We learn best in community. Think about like the Socratic circle, man. Like that's the basis of education. We learn best when we're together. So we should be reading the Bible together. Man, I'm cool going out with my guy friends and getting some wings and having a beer and watching a football game, but it has to be more than that. So, one of the things I do, I have a group of guys that I'm engaged in the Word with. And as brothers, we're reading the Word and bouncing back and forth between the Word, and we're gleaning new insights, and the Holy Spirit is teaching us and shaping us. So, I'm reading it as a son, I'm reading it as a brother, and lastly, Man, you need to read the word as a father. So one of the things I try to do every day, one principle, one pericope, one truth, I glean from the word of God. As a father, I'm trying to pass that on to somebody else. It's one of the reasons why I do this show. There are truths that I've gleaned from God's word that I'm hoping to pass on to you. As a father, I want to pass that on. And whether that's a that's an actual father where you're passing that truth on to your children or where you get to be a spiritual father to someone and something you learned in the Word of God today, you get to pass on to someone. But every day I'm looking for one truth. God give me one truth, one principle, one promise I can pass on to someone today. I've got a friend right now who just got diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And I've got a truth I gleaned a truth from Psalm 23 that I can't wait to father him in. I can't wait to pass it down onto him. Why would the good shepherd lead his sheep through the valley of death and shadow and darkness? Why would the good shepherd do that? Well, there's only one of two answers. Either he's not really a good shepherd, he's a bad shepherd pretending to be a good shepherd, or the good shepherd is leading the sheep through the valley because there's something better on the other side. Well, I think it's the latter. I think he really is a good shepherd. I think he's the king, and I think he's leading us through the valley because there's something better on the other side. I can't wait to to father my brother and share Psalm 23 with him and through his valley tell him, man, God has something better for us on the other side. And I get to be that spiritual father to him. So I'm reading the word as a son, I'm reading the word as a brother, and I'm reading the word as a father. And as I'm practicing Bible schizophrenia, what's happening? I'm growing in my relationship, I'm growing in my knowledge, I'm growing in my depth of knowing who Jesus is. Man, I want to know him. He's coming back, and when he comes back, and when he starts to tell stories, man, I want to say, Jesus, I've heard it, tell it again, when he starts to move and when he starts to talk and walk and when he starts, his mannerisms, like I want to be acquainted with those things, like I want to be intimate with him, day one. Jesus is my day one. We need to believe it. We need to act like it. I'm not predicting Jesus' return. I'm preparing for his return. Here's a, here's a second way. In 2024, I want to prepare for his return by telling more people about him, by telling more people about him. I think sometimes as as Christians, man, we can become so insulated, right? Um, we can wake up and we can go to our church, our family life center, and work out in our in our Christian gym, and then we can go eat our Christian spicy biscuit from Chick-fil-A, and we can um, we can hang out with our Christian friends and we can and 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 before we know it, we've spent the whole day in kind of this Christian bubble, and we haven't really um, engaged with the lost we haven't really um, been winsome we haven't we haven't really told anybody about Jesus. I think what happens right the Bible describes um finding the kingdom or coming into the kingdom it describes it as as this Um, there's two paths, right? There's this narrow, there's this broad path with a broad gate that leads to destruction, like that way leads you to hell. But there's this narrow path with a small gate that leads to life, like that's the kingdom. And the Bible says you should... You should, you should walk this narrow path. You should find this small gate, right? Like, like that's the way that leads to life. And, and here's what I think happens. I think sometimes, like a guy like me, I get so excited about finding that path. I get so excited about finding the gate like that I just want to run through it and, and like get home. Well, I think some of us need to back up. I think some of us need to go back to that gate and we need to stand there. And from the top of our lungs, we need to shout, it's over here. Like I found the gate. The path, the path is over here. Brother, look at the gate. It's over here. Like, like I want to tell more people about him. I want to tell more people that I found the answer. That's why. That's why Andrew is my favorite character in the Bible. Three times that I know of, and I've studied the New Testament a lot, three times we hear about Andrew. Andrew is Simon Peter's brother. He's my favorite biblical character apart from Jesus as a, as a given. Why do I love Andrew so much? It's because every time you read about him in the New Testament, he's bringing somebody to Jesus. The kid with the a couple fish and some crackers man he's bringing him to jesus the passover feast and those out of towners are they're going through the holy city and they're like where's this jesus people talk about and andrew's like oh i know him he's over here come on and then the first time we meet andrew andrew is actually the first one to meet jesus andrew meets jesus and what does he do immediately he runs and gets peter and he says brother i found the messiah Come and meet him. Bro, Andrew is my guy. He's the one. Like, I bet when Peter got to heaven, the reception was amazing. I bet it was twice as loud when Andrew got there. I don't have to be Peter. I don't have to be Paul. Let me be the guy bringing Peter and Paul to Jesus. That's what I want, bro. I don't have to be the next Billy Graham. But I can't. I want to be the guy that tells the next Billy Graham about Jesus. So I want to stand at the gate. Man, 2024, I want to stand at the gate, and I want to say, over here, like I found it, the way that leads to life, everlasting life, it's right here. That's how I'm preparing. For Jesus' return. 2024, man. I don't know. I don't know when he's going to come back. I don't know if it's tonight. I don't know if it's 10,000 years from now. I know we are living in the end times. It is the last days. I mean, you see signs of it everywhere, but I also know that God's patience is is long, man, long suffering, right? He, he, he desires all to repent and be saved. So so this great plan that he's working out of salvation, man, I don't know what the shelf life on that is. But I know this, Jesus said, I'm coming back. And we just got done. We just got done in the season of Advent, right? The Christmas season. That was, that was a month or so ago. It was great. The word Advent literally means the coming. So we celebrate that first Advent when God incarnate, the God-man Jesus Christ came to be with us, baby in a manger. You know the story. The heavens open up and, the, and they're singing, right? Good news of great joy for unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior has been born. Like we celebrated that. And the first Advent was spectacular. Let me tell you, the second Advent is going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. Heaven's going to open up. Jesus is coming, man, on a horse. He's got two tattoos on his thighs. You said, Jesus don't have tattoos. Read it. Got two names written. And listen, that second Advent is going to be awesome for some people but it's going to be awful for a lot of people. I need that to hit home for you. That second advent is going to be awesome for everybody that Jesus says, "Sheep, come over here." But it's going to be awful for everybody that he says, "Goat, go over here." And there's going to There's not going to be a second chance at grace. There's not going to be a second chance at mercy. Like you're not going to have a chance in that moment to repent. Like it's done. It's final. The judgment's coming down. So I love how we just came out of that season of first Advent. But listen, the season of second Advent is coming. Man, what are you doing to prepare for that? You need to know Jesus. You you, you need to make sure you're one of his sheep. If you do anything else in 2024, man, make sure you're one of his sheep, that you're in the shepherd's flock, bro and then secondly man let's tell people about him let's tell people about his goodness his his mercy his love let's tell what he's done that that he that he died to pay the penalty for sin and not only did he die to pay the penalty for sin but but in his power he beat death and now he's 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 loosening the the grip of sin, the power of sin on our life so we can be more like him. And then, and then one day he's coming back to remove us from the presence of sin from ever. The penalty and the power and the presence, man, he's done it all. And all we have to do is turn from self, turn from sin and put our hope and trust in him. Acknowledge him as savior and king. And it's gonna be awesome on that second day, that second advent, that second return. So we know that Jesus' return is imminent, right? We don't have to predict it. We can't predict it. We don't know the day or the hour, but we, we know it's coming. So instead of a, being a people of prediction, we're a people of preparation. But the question is like, like how are you preparing and what are you preparing for? Like one of my, one of my closest friends, man, he's a, he's a prepper, right? like big time. And it's not, it's not so much like food and toilet paper, but it's like ammunition and guns. Like my guy is ready for world war three or a zombie apocalypse, whatever happens first, my man's on it. Right. And I love that. I love that he prepares in that way. I love that he's got more ammunition than Fort Knox. I mean, that's his thing and I'm cool with it. But my question is, are we preparing for the right things? Because here's the reality, like if the zombie apocalypse comes, if World War III comes, if nuclear disaster comes, I don't care how much potable water you have in your basement, like it's going to be bad news. So instead of of preparing for annihilation, what if we start preparing for the celebration of King Jesus' return? I think sometimes Christians get in this mindset that that the second coming is going to be this utter annihilation when in reality it's going to be celebration for those of us who are in Christ. And here's the deal. Like I don't want people to be annihilated. I want everybody to be in that celebration. So instead of stacking cans of baked beans man what if what if what I'm doing to prepare for Jesus' return is gathering as much, as many people as possible and telling him about my king. <laughs> like inviting them onto the winning team, inviting them onto our side. And I'm not just talking about people that look like me or think like me, but I'm talking about like reaching across the racial aisle, reaching across the political aisle, reaching across the street, grabbing that strange neighbor, man, and telling them about Jesus by loving them. By giving to them through hospitality and generosity. I'm telling you, the new evangelism, the new evangelism today, it's not the guy on the street corner with a sign and a bullhorn telling everybody they're going to hell. The new evangelism today is hospitality. You will win more people at your dining room table than you will anywhere else. So what if in 2024, to prepare for his return, you took some of that food out of your basement, you took some of that food out of your shelf, And you started preparing meals for your community. You started preparing meals for your neighbors, your strangers, the guy that disagrees with you politically. You invite him over your house. You love on him. You show him hospitality. You show him generosity. And you win him into the kingdom of God. That's how we prepare for Jesus' return. So how are you preparing in 2024? You're not a person of prediction. You're a person of preparation. Knowing him and telling others about him, it's going to be a phenomenal year.